Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On October 18, 2016, 10 storytellers shared their stories with our audience at Holy Hound Tap Room in downtown New York. Our theme for the evening was Unmasked. We heard stories about both literal and figurative masks people wear. Michelle Macera won with the story about how she exacted revenge on her on-again, off-again high school boyfriend. Here's Michelle. I shared my first kiss with a guy named Bummy. And two weeks later, he dumped me. But we eventually got back together. And this time around, he was taking me to the prom until he met a cheerleader and dumped me to take her instead. Six months later, Bummy and that cheerleader broke up. And he called me to see if I was, like, waiting around for him. And sure enough, I was. (laughs) We got back together, but the third time was not the charm. And he dumped me again. Now, this time I was pissed. It was Halloween. I took a pumpkin, I stabbed it with a screwdriver, and I put it on the hood of his car. (laughs) And that scared him. But it didn't scare him away, because six months later, Bummy was back, and Bummy dumped me for the fourth and final time. Shortly afterwards, with my broken heart, I went shopping with my mom. We picked up a gift for my little cousin's birthday, and then we walked into a card shop. And there was this display of silly prank envelopes. My mom, in a total parenting fail, picks up an envelope. It was business-sized, manila-colored, and it said in big, bold letters, herpes test results. And at the bottom, in little fine print, it said, personal and confidential. (laughs) My mom told me to send that to Bummy. So we bought the envelope. And I get home, and I rush to my brother's room to show my brother this cool envelope I got. And my brother told me I was stupid. He explained that pranks are only funny if you can actually trick the other person. And he told me there was no way to trick Bummy because the envelope was an obvious joke. Oh, and Bummy's aware he's never taken a herpes test. So I was disappointed, but I took my brother's criticism as a challenge. And I started thinking. And then the light bulb went off. I had written an article for the newspaper about Planned Parenthood. And the nurses I interviewed sent me a thank you letter. So I had in my possession Planned Parenthood letterhead, (laughs) which I took to a Xerox machine. And I put my quarter in. And I photocopied the letterhead part onto a fresh piece of paper. And then I went to the family typewriter. To whom it may concern, 
our client, and then I typed a line and hand wrote in my disguised handwriting the name of that cheerleader he took to my prom. <laughs> our client so-and-so tested positive during a recent test for herpes. You are urged to seek testing immediately as you may have contracted a sexually transmitted disease. Get tested today. If you wait, it could be too late. And I was most proud that it rhymed. <laughs> and then I took my herpes letter, put it in my herpes envelope, and I sent it to Bummy. A few weeks later, my brother's friend Steve came over. Steve is a mutual friend of Bummy. And we were all hanging out in the living room, and I asked Steve, what's been up with Bummy? And my brother and I sat there with straight faces as Steve recounted how Bummy told him this letter arrived on a Saturday when his parents and a visiting aunt were at the house. And the family was debating, is this real or not? <laughs> After Bummy's dad gave him a stern, safer sex lecture, they then decided there was only one way to get to the truth. And so Bummy picked up the phone and he called the cheerleader and asked her if she had herpes. She denied that. She also demanded to see this letter. And when she saw it, she saw her name on that handwritten line and said, I know exactly who sent this. That's the handwriting of my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and so for 22 years, some guy, and I don't even know who he is, has taken the blame for something I did. So for the Unmasked theme tonight, I wanted to reveal two deep, dark secrets. I am the mastermind of the 1994 herpes scare. <laughs> and I am a crazy ex-girlfriend. Michelle earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up is Matt McDonnell. Matt, a regular at York Story Slam, recalled the time he saw a little girl and an older one get scarred for life. I am so glad to be here tonight drinking beer. It's been a really hard week. Anybody else having a rough time this week? Adulting sucks, right? Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking about, you know, returning back to those more innocent days before reality, like, ground itself into the ground with you. And, and uh, I, I came up with this memory of this story back before that curtain was pulled aside for someone, showing the man turning the cranks and pulling the levers and operating everything. Back, you know, if you think of like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and that innocence, that's kind of what the story is about and that getting ruined for somebody prematurely. So I, I played a fun game earlier this week with a number of people and I'm gonna do the same thing now because it relates directly to the story. People have watched Family Feud, right? Okay. So we're thinking about anamorphic critters, right? 
like Mickey Mouse and that sort of thing. Uh, what kind of critter would you not want watching you eat your food? Anybody? A squirrel. We don't want squirrels watching us eat our food. The Lorax. The Lorax? Cockroach, spiders. What about a rat? Right, ew. So this is the first unmasking of the story. Anybody been to Chuck E. Cheese Pizza? Yeah. That's not a mouse, folks. That is a rat. And I know because I worked there and I was a trainer for Chuck E. Cheese when I was in high school. I was a member of the Rat Pack. <laughs> I could train people to do the register. I could train people to make pizza. I could train them to prep the salad bar. I could train them to be in the costume. I wasn't allowed to wear the costume myself. And that wasn't discrimination. That had to do with the fact that if you're wearing the costume, you're actually looking out through the mouth. And the eyes are up here. And the ears are up here. So if I put that costume on, I was an eight-foot rat. <laughs> and that's the stuff that nightmares are made of. <laughs> so I trained a number of people to be this happy-go-lucky rat singing happy birthday to everybody. And... This story comes into effect. I was in the back room. I was actually training somebody to make a pizza at the time. And they had just finished singing the happy birthday song. And Chuck E. was coming back in to change. Because Chuck E. Cheese doesn't spend the entire day as Chuck E. Cheese. They're serving pizza, doing other things. It's usually played by a shortish woman. And I'm training somebody to make the pizza. And I watch Chuck E. come back and go into the little tiny closet where Chucky's changing. And just as Chucky walks into that closet, I see this tiny little, like, three-year-old girl following Chuck E. Cheese. So I start dashing across the kitchen as fast as I can, shoving birthday cakes out of the way. But I didn't get there in time, and the door closed. And it was then that I heard the scream. And if you've had a daughter, you know the scream. It's a scream that only girls seem to genetically be able to make. The one that sounds like eight demons running their fingernails slowly across a chalkboard. And I hear it just before I open the door, and I see this little girl curled up in a little ball in the corner crying. And I see an 18-year-old girl up against the wall terrified as well, also crying. <laughs> I don't know how many free pizzas and tokens their family got, but that girl's probably in her early 30s now, and I hope she's still getting free pizza. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Billy Krause, who shared a story about a night on the job as a limo driver. The story takes place in 2013. I was in college, and I was looking for a job, and I decided to fulfill most millennial stereotypes, and I was going to be a limo driver. I needed to find as much money as possible with as little of work as possible. So that's what I decided to do. So I had to start wearing a suit, saying things like, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. It's okay, you can get drunk and take your clothes off. You can do this, you can do that. It's all right, it's in here. I won't tell anyone, even though I just did now. 
So nonetheless, throughout this career, the career of being a limo driver, I picked up a lot of people for like wine tours, a lot of people going out on like big drinking parties and, and Jimmy Buffett concerts and shit like that. So I picked up um, three gentlemen one night uh, in the Harrisburg area and you could tell they were like in their mid 40s and they do this like every year kind of thing. It was very much a bromance when they got in the vehicle. So we'll say for the sake of the story, one will be Bro Jackson, Brosive Stalin, and Barack Obama or something, you know, whatever, you, whatever we want to call them. They're just the bros. Because the whole night it was all about debauchery and all this like locker room talk and all this kind of stuff. And I took them up to, um, what is it, the, the casino in Grantville and all that kind of stuff. And as the night went on, they started to drink more. As they started to drink more, they would, you know, periodically would seek my insight into whatever it is they wanted to talk about. And they would say, they would either call me William or Driver, which is always a good one. So, you know, um, so at any rate, about three quarters of the way through the night, these guys decided to relive their college rapper days. So they start, you know, they're like, man, how do we hook Pandora up, dude? And, you know, I'm like, all right, all right, all right, we do that. And they start throwing on, like, 90, early 90s hip-hop beats. And they all start battle rapping each other in the backseat of the vehicle. And it was all like mom jokes and taking your wife and, you know, all this like, I think the one guy was like a used car dealer person, you know, used car salesman. And so it was very, you know, very ironic to me for like to hear the bros saying these things. And they really thought they were good. I mean, they were stuttering, destroying the English language left and right, but they were the best to ever do it. And here I am, the driver in a suit in the front seat, and I'm just kind of scoffing. <laughs> You know, that kind of stuff. So we'll say the biggest ego was Bro Jackson. So Bro Jackson goes, oh, oh, driver. Oh, you think you're so good, huh? Starts pointing his battle raps at me, talking about stealing my girlfriend, talking about taking my mom on dates. I'm like, my mom is a saint. You don't deserve my mother, dude. So... He said, well, if you think you're so good at this, why don't you do it? So I said, well, I don't really know how to rap. He said, well, do it. Try it. So you, you know, you think this is funny, this is entertaining, do it. I said, okay, I'll try. But don't make fun of me if I can't do it. Don't make fun of me. You know, I apologize if I mess up. So I was like, bro, Jackson, I didn't call him that, whatever his name was. Give me a beat. So he put a beat on. I threw out some stereotypical yo's, checks. Not exactly sure what I was checking, but I checked it. <laughs> right? So then, nervous as hell, I proceed to say the following. When living for a moment, do we own them, do we lease them? Do we keep them for ourselves or use them as a tool to teach? I'm sick of all the foolish speech, finding all the rules to breach. It's time we start the cleansing like you're drinking pools of bleach. It's hard for me to sleep, so I take another shot. Sometimes I feel this empty bottle is the only friend I got. Feeling paralyzed like every step is over porcupines. The winter splinters prick the ridges of my crooked spine. But I'm doing fine, giving time, every ounce of trust. I had a meeting date with fate. That dumb bitch missed the bus. 
I've been doing this for 10 plus. My pen ducks are cold. I've cried so many times, I'm pretty sure I've grown mold. My levee's about to break and I fear it won't hold. 33, feeling like I'm 87 years old. I can feel it in my steps, feel it in my breath. So I'm holding on to this like it's the only moment left. Silence. Kind of like this. Kind of like that right there. So, bro Jackson, Barack Obama, and Broseph Stalin, don't say a word. And out of nowhere, it's, who are you, man? Who are you really? What are you doing? I said, listen, man, I go by the name Apollo's son. I've been a semi-professional MC for the last 10 years of my life. In 2006, I was an uh, honorable mention in the John Lennon International Songwriting Contest. I have put myself on tour, and I have licensed my music to uh, record labels in Japan on projects that have sold over a million copies. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> So that was my unmasking. Limo guy, I'm a rapper. <laughs> Thank you. Our next event is scheduled for Tuesday, November 15th, and it's our Grand Slam. All the winners from this year's Open Mic Story Slam events will return to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York. We're excited to host this culminating event in the beautiful Capitol Theater. Tickets for our events are available on our website, yorkstoryslam.com and while you're there you can sign up for our monthly newsletter you can also follow us on twitter at yorkstoryslam as well as on facebook and watch videos of all the stories from our events on our youtube channel our podcast is produced with support from the beer ace find them at thebeerace.com this episode comes to you with support from this month's featured brewery partner trogues brewing company we hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.